Life with diabetes has some highs and lows, but just like in a normal life, you can make choices which help to make your life easier, improve your health and well-being. In the Diabetic and Healthy podcast, we show you how to do just that. We're here to help you put your diabetes worries behind so that you can start enjoying life with a sky-high smile on your face. So let's meet our host for today's show. Here's Charlotte. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Diabetic and Healthy podcast. If you normally follow the podcast, thank you so much. And a big welcome if you are a new listener. So I've got a really special episode today. I'm actually interviewing a lovely lady called Lisa Turnbull, who is currently recovering from coronavirus and has really kindly agreed to come on the show and share her story with us all. So just a little bit of background on Lisa before you hear her story. Lisa's 48 years old and she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes nearly 33 years ago now. She works for Estee Lauder and has done for the past seven years. And Lisa loves to read in her spare time as she says that that really helps her to keep a positive mindset. So this is me talking to Lisa about her very recent experience after contracting COVID-19. Hi Lisa, so first of all thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show um, and agreeing to share your story with us. So That's how, okay, you're very welcome. Oh thank you. How are you feeling now? Um, I'm still um, not 100%, I'm still breathless, I still have a cough, I still um, have like trouble going up and down the stairs without being out of breath. Um, I, I can't do a lot of things still. Yeah. Some days are better than others. Um, so I just try and take every day as it comes um, to try and deal with it. Um, and I do a little bit more every day. Yeah, yeah, just build things up gradually. Um, I'm constantly tired. Uh, that's another thing. Um, I, I can't shake the fatigue at all. Um, I just fall asleep and wake up. Um, that that's, it really does stress me out because um, I can't do a lot. So I'm, I'm just literally in bed all day. Yeah. Oh, bless you. Well, let's, yeah. let's, let's start at the beginning. So okay. When, when was it, because I know this, is, this has been kind of ongoing for a little while now, so when was it when you started to feel unwell and what were your symptoms at that point? Um, so I had... Um, about a week or so, about a month ago, uh, constant nausea. Um, it was like, it felt like I was seasick. Yeah, so it's yeah. like motion sickness. Um, when I was at work um, and my appetite was really bad, I, I couldn't eat. Um, I was retching as well. So straight away, this is not a typical, or, or not what we've been told is a, is a typical symptom necessarily. No. Um, so the, the nausea was, I thought was food poisoning because mm. I thought oh, I must have ate something that didn't agree with me. Um, so I went to work still. I had, I had one day off work um, and I just couldn't go into work because I was really, really nauseous. I couldn't even stand up without feeling sick. Yeah. Um, that subsided um, and I felt really okay. Um, so obviously I went to work as normal. Mm -hmm. The nausea was coming and going in waves, um, which, which was really weird. Um, but I still ate as much as I could. My, my blood sugars were fine. I was going to say, what are your type 1 diabetic? So what were, your, what were your blood sugars doing at this point? They were pretty good? Or? Yeah, they were really good. They, they were running on the lower side um, because obviously I wasn't eating. I was, try, I was bolusing. Yeah, I was trying to bolus for my food on my pump um and then when i was eating my food the nausea come back mm. um so i was finding i couldn't eat my food um so i've had to subsidize it with you know with some sugary drink yeah. um and i was i was going hypo anyway at work um so that that was a bit weird so i just thing in itself isn't it <laughs> <laughs> it is as well because I, I obviously working in a department store is 
it's quite exhausting mm. um so obviously i was trying to balance everything out and i was trying to it's like spinning plates so i was trying to control my sugars and trying to get the nausea under control yeah um so it's on i think it was around the 19th my department store was um closed because of administration and i i stayed at home um i was just at home but i was um had this dry cough mm-hmm. and then i had like a really bad stomach upset mm-hmm. like really bad yeah um so i thought oh, i just dismissed it so mm-hmm. i thought because um, again, then, that's not not a symptom that we've necessarily been made aware of. No, but obviously, re, um, moving on from that, I've 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 seen cases that the diarrhea and the that it is quite a common symptom. Yeah. Um, and then I noticed my, my appetite was suppressing rapidly. Um, I was eating less and less and less. I was having hypos. Mm. I've had to adjust my insulin pump because I wasn't eating at all. That was the point where I stopped eating. Yeah. Um, and that, and that was worrying. At this point, were you thinking, gosh, this could be coronavirus? Um, I, I did. Um, I spoke to my diabetes nurses mm-hmm. at my, my local hospital. Um, uh, and they said, just keep an eye on your blood sugars drink fluids, adjust your insulin, do sick day rules, uh, as they tell you to do. Yeah, so sick day rules, yeah, we've all heard um, that. <laughs> yeah, so I, I just followed the guidelines and tried to do as much as I can. Um, not once did my sugars go high. I never had any high blood sugars at all. They were in and range. That's, that's normally a bit of a, t- or I know for me, definitely, that's a giveaway that I am coming down with something or that there's, you know, my body's trying to fight something as you get those uncontrollable highs. So you're yes. uh, doing the opposite, I suppose, because of the lack of food, but you would also think those spikes would be happening. Yeah. So that was, that, that was um, a bit of a um, misconception. Um, so I thought, right, there's nothing seriously wrong. Cause mm-hmm. I know if I go into DKA, yeah. um, I know there's something seriously wrong, but because they were in the range, I, I was thinking, there's something not serious going on maybe i'm just i've got a bug i've got to pick up a bug yeah yeah and i can't shake it um so i was getting shivers um that like the heating was still coming on mm-hmm. um but i was so cold um i was literally um shivering to the point you know when you're actually chattering with yeah, your yeah oh, horrible feeling proper thievery yes um and i i was really really cold i was wearing dressing gowns to bed with quilts and and i was i was still not warm mm. um and and then i just the sickness was getting worse um and then i woke up um and my whole nose was blocked literally and i had pains under in my sinuses area yeah. so under my yeah. eyes um so I was finding it hard to breathe. It's like, you know, when you have a really like bunged up nose yeah, and then it starts to run as well. So it's, um, and you're that trying to, congested. yeah, they're yeah, really the horrible. It was a bit congested. Yeah. And also another thing I noticed is my eyes were severely bloodshot. Okay. Um, which was quite weird. So I looked very sunken. My eyes were really dark. Um, mm. And I was noticing I was losing weight a lot, rapidly losing weight. And all the time this was going on, I had negative ketones in my, my urine because mm-hmm. obviously I have to check them. Check them, yeah. Um, so it, this, this was on um, the Wednesday. Then the Thursday and the Friday, I started getting ketones. With, my sugars were in range. Okay. I was having hypos as well. I think the lowest I went still still having ketones and they're really large this time. So then I had to use intervention. So I, I contacted NHS Direct on yeah, the website. Say, at what what point did you get to before you thought, do you know what on, I can't deal with this on my own? I need, you know, a medical professional. So it was I think it's from the beginning of um my symptoms was eight days. 
mm. until I, I intervened with the doctor because um, I was quite concerned at that point. So on the Friday, they called me back um, and they said, right, stick to your sick day rule. If your symptoms, um, you know, get worse, um, please get in contact with us. Um, and so on the Friday night, I was, I was shivering and had diarrhea and I, was, I felt so ill. Mm. Um, and on the Saturday morning, um, I managed to have a bath and wash my hair. Um, and, and that's when it went all downhill from then. Um, and that's when I, I had to get in touch with them again. Um, yeah. And then my family member took me to A&E. They have to let, you, let them know in advance that you're arriving. Yeah. Is that there, there is a protocol that goes yeah, so into place. What was, the, what was the kind of process then? So you, you arrived at a hospital and what yeah. happened from there? So the protocol basically is the, the online doctor, the GP on call at the time, has to ring my local A&E department to let them know that I'm a possible COVID patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, ahead of my arrival so my family member had to drive me to A&E leave me in the car while they got a mask for me um, and then I had to put that on in the car before I even got out of it Um, and then basically you're on your own they have to leave you there you have to go into A&E on your own and, and then they have to come home and leave you there. This is another another scary bit that obviously we are, you know, we are hearing about a lot, um, you know, on the news and things, but you're on your own, you know, once, once you've got these symptoms and you're, you know, in the care of a hospital, it is a case of you're, you're on your own from there, aren't you? Yeah, um, they make you sit in a chair which has tape around it which is quite bizarre. Mm. So you're segregated from everyone. It's quite lonely. You're just sitting there in a chair with a mask on and they've got this screen and they have to liaise with you and do your observation through a window. So you have to put your arm through a window mm-hmm. and then do your pulse and stuff. Um, so once that, the process is, is done, they, they assess you there are apparently different points now in hospitals where they think you should go the severity of your condition Mm -hmm. so they wheeled me into another part of the hospital in an outer building um and then they leave you at the door and there's people behind the door that they pull you in because they're Mm -hmm. all gowned up because it's all infection control so yeah, they're all yeah. um, isolated. Lisa, were you um, scared at this point? Yes. It, it, I think the, the initial thought was um, I've, got, I've got to do this on my own and you have to put on a brave face on it. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm quite calm in a crisis. Um, but the fear is quite scary because mm. um, it's obviously I think it's the media side of it I've seen yeah. it on the news um, I watched this the, the program on uh, with Italy about the yeah, severity of it all the, um, I'm trying to think of the name of it I watched one the other day I think it was a channel 4 documentary about being in the red zone was it that one? yes yes it was yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that was on the forefront of my mind yeah um, like so you think okay let's not panic right now um they're just trying to do look after you Mm -hmm. um and i was in this they put you in this room um which is probably no bigger than a jail cell it's like the 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 bed and the door was just like um literally a a person apart so that like a nurse could stand when the door was shut in between um it's, it's a very tight you have a bed um, and, the, and the nurses only had a, a plastic apron on and they weren't wearing respiratory masks, they were just wearing normal masks. Mm. So they weren't protected at all. Um, so I had a, a chest x-ray. The emergency doctors come, come in to do bloods and they do arterial blood gases. Um, they check your temperature. 
which wasn't high. I've never had a fever. That my temperature was like thirty five point five. Wow! So even with all that shivering and everything like that, never had a temperature at all. How bizarre! Never had sweats. Um, mm-hmm. So they, they they just go for a barrage of questions. They have to follow, you know, ask questions. And mm. um, the nurses then came in to do the COVID swabs. Um, I think was the the most traumatic thing I think um I've seen kind of imagery on this and it does not look pleasant at all it's not and they have to get it right the first time mm-hmm. um there are there are cases where you are negative but you are positive it just depends on the swab the swabbing process yeah. it has to be accurate um so they go right to the back of your throat partial tonsil right to the back um and then right up into your crevice of your nose so it feels like they're poking your brain yeah oh gosh yeah and, and it's not just a little bit they go right in and they twist it and yeah. to get everything and also the, the emergency doctor noticed that all my veins collapsed and they couldn't get a cannula in my arm for a little while i was very dehydrated i was going to say um, is that is that Yes, um, a constant headache. Um, so they they gave me loads of fluids. Um, and what was um, your what was your breathing like at this point? So my breathing um, was okay. I was having shallow breaths, so I was trying to inhale breath, and it wasn't going in properly. <laughs> so the nurses said to me, "Just inhale through your mouth and hold it in, and then just." gently exhale so it would give your lungs a little bit of a a chance um to, to get some air and um, they checked my breathing my um in a on a on my back and my mm-hmm. lungs at the front my lungs were clear there was no crackling in my chest my breathing was clear so there was no indication that i had any like um congestion yeah, in my chest or anything yeah they said your lungs are complete so I didn't need to have oxygen therapy at all they said because you know your your lungs feel very strong they they you know they sound fine mm-hmm. so we, we don't were need to you give- having chest pain no um I wasn't getting any chest pain at all but I, I did have acid reflux okay um it was really bad um and I did mention that um, he said that can be common and also because you haven't got anything in your system and then you're just you know I'm trying to um, I, was, I was trying to regurgitate if you know what I mean yeah because uh, yeah, I had a lot of gas an empty stomach yeah on an empty stomach and, it, and that's when the acid reflux was in and it didn't taste nice and even though my taste buds were gone I had nothing I couldn't smell or taste anything but you could actually taste that in the back of my throat yeah. Yeah. it's horrible it's very horrible it, um very tired as well as um and i'm very i was very disorientated mm. um and and probably i think it's because i was quite scared yeah yeah of course and, and then there was this long wait then and then they just shut the door and then nothing for a long time and you're on your own. In terms of your blood sugar levels, did they put you on a sliding scale? Did they? How were they kind of managing your hypos, or was that still down to you? Right. So I still had my pump on. They said to keep your pump going. Um, my blood sugars were fine. My blood pressure was like seven, eight. Wow. Um, that, and it really confused them. My blood ketones, however, was like one point two. Mm-hmm um so that that was you know they i think they were trying to um get that down so they just put some fluids up to try and you know get me hydrated yeah um and then it must have seemed like a lifetime while i was in this room with the door shut it was very scary because you can hear them outside you can and and then um, there was another person come in um and and then it's just you're trying to block it out um because you you can't open that door My, yeah. I, I can't open that door um to get out uh, that's the, that's another thing i want to just get out of the room but you yeah. can't 
because obviously quite you're claustrophobic I'd imagine it is quite yeah it's quite like that um then the, they opened the doors and they said you're going to an isolation ward um so they get like they mask you up still the nurses are all masked up and they will you out into a free accident and emergency a and &E department mm -hmm. um there was no one there there was no patients the whole the whole unit was empty um there was just nurses and doctors standing there like watching you being wheeled through the a and e yeah you know usually in a and e you get oh, every cubicle <laughs> is yeah is crammed not one patient not even one person was in there yeah. and that was the scary bit and yeah. i even said to them where are all the patients and she said no one's coming in no one wants to come in here Gosh. um i think it's initial uh, reaction to the media i think the mm. nurse actually said to me she went i think seeing everything on the news no one wants to come and be treated in a and e yeah the last place they want to go is a hospital right now yeah so there was more nurses than patients if you know what i'm saying there was yeah, yeah. yeah there was just me and all these nurses um which was i've never seen that before and when you were taken onto this um isolation ward so was that all um you know all other people that had tested positive for covid19 or just were were you just with other people presenting similar symptoms so the the ward i was putting first of all um is the um waiting for results so where either there are probably um positives and negatives in there Mm -hmm. But obviously, they are that that's like a stopgap, if you know what I'm saying. It's uh, waiting for the results. So it takes up to three days for your swabs to come back, depending on the severity of your symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, so everyone, obviously, we're in different rooms. So we're all in separate rooms. So we're not in, in a ward. So we're all, I was in a room with a toilet and bathroom, like shower. Yeah. Um, and they said, you know, we need to keep you in here um if you need the nurse press the buzzer but they have to um do the um gowning up before they enter the room and leave yeah so i i was just um i just went with the flow i just you know just went in there sitting in this chair um with my drip um and it must have been two to three hours i was on my own in there Gosh. did you have anything with you did you have like your phone or a book or you know yeah i had a phone okay. i had my phone that's all i had because obviously i never bought anything with me i just bought my blood testing kit and my phone mm. um you you don't like you know when you think you're going to stay in hospital you pack a bag right um that never crossed my mind at all i thought i'm just going to go and get seen to and i can come home yeah that wasn't going, now say i haven't got it and, and i'll ride it out at home yeah that's not the case so it is like a li little bit misleading how they portray it in the in the media mm. they i think they have to be a bit more honest with you about the protocol yeah um because it's quite a long process to get you can get you upstairs into a ward um because there's a lot of uh, procedures going on to get you transferred because mm. of infection if i you know i can't touch anything or they they need to be really careful with you yeah of course i suppose they're seeing you and they're seeing other patients it's yeah so i was trying i was transferred on um on like a trolley like a normal trolley um and when they put you in the room they the the porter who was gowned up and the nurse they had to disinfect the bed that I was in, in my room, um, before leaving it. They're not allowed to wheel the, the trolley out yeah. until they've disinfected it in your room. Cool. Um, so that, that's quite surreal. 
because yeah. usually they take the trolley out and you go into your bed you feel like you're being treated like a big germ <laughs> it, it's it's and all you see is eyes you don't see a face mm -hmm. at all and that's that's another thing you don't see a face you just see eyes because um, obviously they're gowned up and they're masked. Masked up. So you, yeah. so you, so you don't see anyone. Um, it, the only people I saw was my my friends on FaceTime, um, and and there's no real human being to actually interact with. Yeah. They're not allowed to stay in there with you. They they can't hold your hand and tell you it's going to be okay, because they obviously they've got they're very busy in there. Mm. And there's a lot going on. There's a lot of things you hear, um, doctors walking up and down and people gowning up and, and, it, and then, you know, there's, it's quite scary. Um, yeah, I can imagine. All, all night, all night long, it, that, that's what it is. Constantly, constantly people coming in and out, footsteps up and down, up and down. They have to knock on your door before they come in. Um, so obviously just to treat you and, and and i was i was very sick i was being sick so they have to give me a bowl to be sick but what they do is they stand at the door with with their protection on and they lean in with their hand so they don't come in usually they just lean in and you have to grab it that really is minimal minimal contact minimal contact um they, they, you know, they, the, the doctors outside were saying, you know, you're not, you're not allowed to go in there unless it's absolutely necessary, um, because they're not properly protected. Mm. The PPE side of it, I, I saw for myself, um, was quite bizarre. Even the housekeepers, you know, you still have the housekeepers who come and do your meals and stuff. Mm. So then the nurses come in and. Um, all like with their gowns on and they pass you it from a distance with gloves on yeah um so yeah it's it's it was quite scary and i had so many questions i wanted to ask you know when you have this what's going on yeah, don't have time what, what for happens that next what happens if you know i, I get worse or yeah so it, it, it that was nothing like that you had no time they they're not in your room long enough for you to do that. So you had, what, a couple of days like that before you received your results? or So I went in on the Saturday, um, like lunchtime, and they swabbed me. And then on the Sunday afternoon, the doctor came in and um, I, could, I knew straight away. I just knew his mannerisms were, were different mm. to when I saw him on the Saturday and uh, he said so your your test was positive um, and I, I think I went a bit I think I went a bit the white noise happened because yeah. he was he was talking to me but I wasn't getting I you wasn't might feel like you're you're blacking out slightly <laughs> and and the whole the whole thing was in slow motion and mm. I was trying to absorb it and I wasn't. Um, really quite a surreal moment. Very surreal. As we've seen and we've read so much about this that to then be told, yes, this is what you have, is, I'd imagine, really surreal. I think the whole, I think I have a little bit of a flashback moment of what mm. you see on the telly, um, machines, um, ventilation yeah. and things like that um, and I, I said am I going to die that's the first thing I said to him um, and he said no fortunately for, for my case um, your lungs are clear your chest x-ray is clear there is no um, congestion in your lungs so your lungs are clear on the x-ray because usually he explained to me on, it, on some x-rays, there are lesions on the lungs, yeah. the damage that the COVID-19 virus causes, because it's a respiratory um, disease. Mm. He said, fortunately for you, um, there's, there's no problems that, on that side, and we didn't have to oxygenise you. 
Um, and he said, you can go home and recover. Um, unfortunately, I, I couldn't go home that day because I couldn't get any transport home until the next day. They rung um, a little interesting insight. So they rung taxi firms in my area right. um, to see if they can take me home. And, and they have to tell them that I'm positive. Mm. Um, it, they have to because there's a protocol to get me home with a driver. Um, every one of them refused me to take me home. Really? They said, we're not taking her. Um, and it made me feel a little, little bit rubbish because so it felt like... Would the hospital provide some kind of uh, like protective wear for the taxi driver? Like, what would be the... Yeah, they, they said, we'll give you a, a special respiratory mask to wear. Um, obviously. Um, and they're like, nope, we don't, we're not taking her. We, we're not going to take her. Um, so the, the nurse actually was standing at my door, so my, the door. She said, unfortunately, no one can, wants to take you. Um, and my family member couldn't take me that day. So she said, it's okay. We'll, 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 we'll make sure you're okay. Mm. Um, so the head of the, is it like the beds? the bed sister yeah um she came to see me gowned up she we're going to move you to another part of the hospital where everyone in your ward will be positive so they move you on to another part of the hospital yeah and this was the private wing of the hospital so it was the private side mm. Which gave the NH they gave that to the NHS to accommodate COVID nineteen patients, the positive ones. So I was put in there. Um, so everyone in there was positive, and that was a different that was a different story because then everyone was wearing the full PPE kit. Yeah. The eye shield, um, the proper masks, the proper gowns, the shoes they were properly kitted out yeah and that's and, and that's how when many it, people were were in that ward um all the doors were shut so you're put in a room um so you don't know who's in there so all you see when you will go through the door is everyone gowned up in in goggles it, it, it's like a scene out of like et or um, at some like space thing yeah. because you don't see eyes either you just see a pair of goggles <laughs> you see, yeah you just see goggles and yeah. um and then they they're all just standing there looking at you um which, which was quite weird when, they've, when you said to the doctor am i going to die and he explained um you know that fortunately for you it wasn't kind of affecting your lungs in the way that they're seeing in you know in a lot of other patients did you i mean did that put your mind at rest or were you still frightened that that it could progress or that you know they could be wrong yeah so there's there's always like a that it's it's like a you don't know what's going to happen so there's still research going on and they did say that to me, that we're still finding out about this virus every single day, about the long-term effects or, you know, whether things will get worse. But at the, the, the time being that I'm fine. Um, so that was a bit of a relief, if I'm mm. honest. Yeah. But obviously, there, there's always that insight, you know, whether that's going to happen later down in the line. Mm. Um, and there's so many questions you want to ask, but obviously they don't know the answers themselves, if I'm honest. They, you're, you're trying to, to ask them things, and they haven't got the answers. Yeah, it's all still that, so new. Yeah, and they, they said that to me, and they said, we, you know, this is, we've, we've never come across this before. So they're trying to establish different facts and factors about it, or side effects, or what we can treat you with. Mm. Um, but what they did do is they put me on antibiotics um, and they said it was a precautionary measure. 
Okay. Um, so they put me on doxycycline. Yeah. Um, so that was on a Saturday night. So I had a double dose of that. So it was like 200 milligrams of that um, on the Saturday night. And then I had to take one every single night for five days. And were you, were you managing to eat at this point? Right. So I managed to have, in, when I went into the private wing, into the, the COVID wing, um, I managed to have just a little bit of dinner. Um, and, and I had some jelly and ice cream as well. Nice. Um, <laughs> everyone needs when they're poorly that. <laughs> but I, I couldn't taste it. Obviously yeah. I, I, I couldn't eat. I couldn't, my taste buds weren't there, but I was eating. Um, and then the nausea started again. So they had to give me like anti-sickness drugs mm -hmm. to, um, to stop that. It's the, the nausea was still present. Um, then you, you, what it is, they, they're not allowed to enter your room unless you want them to, or they have to. Mm. So you're on your own, but it was quite nice because I had a, a TV in there to watch. And a bit of distraction. Yeah, but, but it's like, I suffer fools gladly and I put the news on. And, and, and that, that's when it all started to get real for me and I started to panic um, because obviously I, I'm in there. I, I'm, I'm in the middle of it and I'm watching it. Yeah. And I think, I think that my mindset, then it went, it declined a little bit. Um, and I just wanted to get out of there because, you know, it, it, I was watching this on, on the news about people going in and not coming out and, and I, was, I was switching it over and, and then that was already there. The seed was there. Yeah. Um, the nurses were brilliant. The, the, I cannot um, thank them. They went above and beyond for you as much as they could do for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, it must be so difficult for them in such a, a caring profession to them, you know, not being able to physically come near you or you know, even have the time to give the reassurance that they would probably like to. Yeah, they, um, that I think it was a hard, hard on their part. Um, and I, I remember um, one time I was, I was a little bit stressed out and I was a bit upset and, and I was like banging on the window and, and, and they just cut, like, they didn't have anything on. So I saw a face and mm. I was like, and, and they were like, it's okay. It's, you know they're trying to calm me down and um because I, I was really frightened at that point because yeah. obviously I can't walk out that door that's the scary bit yeah I suppose you, you need to distract your mind away from that because that's what you can kind of get fixated on and that that can make you panic yeah exactly because obviously it's the fear that um if I, I, I can't open that door and, and walk out of it. Mm. Um, it, it. And then when they, when they give you food, they have to leave it. They open the door and they leave it on the side. So you have to go and get it. Yeah. Um, no matter how rotten you feel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I, was, I was feeling a bit better. Um, but I think it was, I was really tired as well. I, I just... I, I think I lost track of time. Um, I think I woke up and it must have been about four in the morning so I put the telly on and um, I thought it was like daytime and it wasn't because I went in when the clocks changed. Oh, okay. So you were, yeah, out of sync bit, of it anyway. Bit, bit disorientated yeah. about time and stuff because um, it's quite light outside. Um, so I think, oh, it must be quite early well, in the morning. And it wasn't. Not that early. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. Um, and, and I was talking to my friends on the phone um, and FaceTiming my friends. And, oh, but, but, like, you can see it. You can see it in their face. That's scared for you. Yeah, or, or they're like, oh, my God, this is, you know... Um, how did, the first question was, how the hell did you get it? Yeah, that was going to be my next question. I was going to say, do you know how you contract it? 
No. So there, there's many scenarios that go through my mind yeah. because um, obviously working in a department store. Yeah, I suppose you're coming into contact with so many people. Um, but my company, I worked, I work in a, on a, for a cosmetics company on a um, cosmetics counter mm-hmm. in a department store. So my company had the no touch for, I think it was about a week before I left work. Yeah. So it was a no touch rule because I have to sit people down and colour match them. Yeah. I was going to say, it's not just that, that you're um, seeing a lot of the general public, that you're, you know, you're coming into close contact if you're on a cosmetics counter. Yeah. So you're, you're touching contact, tactile, it's a tactile job. Um, so it's, it's quite, um, hands-on so they they said no it's a no contact now no contact rule gel wash your hands i followed every protocol and i'm very ocd and i'm the, I'm the cleanest person i'm very ocd it, everyone said they're quite shocked because how clean i am that yeah. i got it yeah but so, that shows you. <laughs> you you just can't be too careful so uh, you know you think oh my god i must have got it from work or someone at work mm. got it, or you know. So, um, there's a you know, I, I couldn't pinpoint it. You can't, they, they say that you there's nothing there's cash no as well. There were people paying with money, like with cash, mm. and um, I followed the protocol you have to gel, gel first, then take the cash, then the customer has to do the same before they hand the money over to you. Um, but that could be another transmission. And obviously I might have touched my face because yeah. you inhale it. And also, did you know that it can, you can get it through, goes through your eyes as well? Yeah. The droplets. Yeah. So if anyone coughs or sneezes, even laughs and talks as well, that can be transmitted. So if someone you're having a laugh with, that, that can release droplets and it can go through your eyes or you can so inhale it. Another reason they were saying you know early on when a lot of people were were going mad on the mask um even if you're covering your nose and your mouth you're you know you're not fully protected no um and and that's that's another thing how people can contract it through and touch surfaces as well you can stay on surfaces for a while like metal i think it's like 72 hours Mm. on clothes as well like you have to wear a uniform for work um, and that could be another thing I could have it on my uniform and I'm going home um, and then I'm putting it on the you know on a hanger or in the wash and it's contaminating everything oh, that's, that, so yeah, that's there's, enough. there's no way of knowing so, that, so since that's happened um, no one at my work has been ill or had symptoms of covid yeah and then prior to my admission i was i didn't go out the house for eight days i had no didn't go out anywhere so it can stay on clothing i could have inhaled it from i could have gone to a shop um like people saying you know i know now when you go into a supermarket and you wipe down your trolley and everything but we weren't or certainly where I am at that stage, they weren't doing that. No, a, a lot of them weren't. And, and um, Tesco's wasn't where I am. No. Um, but, but that's quite interesting. But I used to gel my hands before I touched anything. Or I, went, I think I went to Marks and Spencer's and I, I got the gel in my hands and I wiped the trolley with it. Yeah. Um, and before I used it. But it's not just that, though, is it? It's picking up food. I was going to say, it's things off the shelf and... Packaging and... Um, it's, uh, it's, quite, it's quite an interesting concept. When, when that, it all comes to the forefront of your mind about where, where you're, you know, how many people have got this virus, um, but not knowing they've got it. Yeah, it would be the, very... The, very interesting the doctor did mention that (laughs) yeah the doctor mentioned that he said there are people out there who have got it but will never get symptoms Mm, and they're just walking around 
and they're immune to it as well. They're very, they're, 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 it's about your immune system, how it reacts to it. Mm. He said some people can get it and never know they've had it and carry on as normal. Yeah. Um, and then there's people like me who can get it and then get sick. Yeah. So we, and then, were, we were talking um, just before I started the interview, we spoke briefly. Um, because originally we had this interview planned um, a week or so ago and you, yes. uh, you were feeling much better yeah. um, and then literally I think it was the, the night before the interview wasn't it and you became quite unwell again yes I did yeah um, coughing upset stomach again um, nausea so this I, isn't something so that yeah it's something. necessarily just you know get better and then you're better it's it's for you it's kind of um almost come on and off or come in waves would you say yeah so it's not like your recovery is not consistent um and i've read other articles about it uh, i i've got i've got i'm in a, a group um I've, I've got people on twitter that i speak to who've been through the same and they said, Oh, I'm, I'm fine. I was fine the other day. And today I just can't get out of bed. Mm. Yeah. I think it's the type the fatigue is mm. the, the worst thing. You're constantly tired. Um, it, it's in your breathless. And like yesterday I managed to do some washing, washing clothes. Yeah. But last night I was coughing, wheezing. Um, I, was, I was talking to my friend on FaceTime last night and, she, and I was coughing and I was chesty mm. and I still feel congested and my lungs were bur like a burning sensation in my lungs. That's how I can describe it. It's like they're on fire. Um, and the coughing, um, it, it just, I, I just felt so ill and I still feel I don't feel right still um so today I'm gonna get in contact with the doctors again to see if I need any treatment or if I can have some antibiotics or anything to to give, keep my mind at rest because it's quite frightening because you as you say once you have it you're going to recover mm. but they don't know how long it stays in your system for. Yeah. Um, and I, I, in cases you need total rest, like your body now, you know, as well, you, you do have diabetes. So your body's under that kind of extra level of strain anyway. Yeah. So you, you've just got to let your body totally recover because literally something you think it could have been something as simple as you got up and were doing the washing yesterday and your body's just gone, no, not ready. <laughs> yeah, so the, the, the doctor said, listen to your body. He said, this is the most important, it's paramount with this virus. Listen to what your body's telling you because if it's something wrong, there is something wrong. Mm. He said, this virus is very unpredictable. So he said, if you feel tired, rest. If you can't do anything, don't do anything. Yeah. He said, you know, don't be a martyr yeah. and start doing things because you want to do things. If you can't, stop. Mm -hmm. Just don't do it. Leave it. It's not worth it. Well, I cannot thank you enough for sharing this experience with us. You're very welcome. It's, it's really, really been like an honest insight um, into your experience with it. And, and as we've said the whole way through it, everyone's experience you know will be different and people's symptoms are different but um as much as a an awful experience it's been for you we can take this as a positive story because you do have type 1 diabetes you have controlled it extremely well even through this it's been controlled extremely well and i know you are still feeling unwell at the moment but you know, the worst of this is behind you. Yeah, I'm over the worst of it, which is good. I think I, I, I went over the hill a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I'm still, obviously, trying to shake the rest of it off. Yeah, sure. 
Well, please rest. <laughs> I'm going to. Um, obviously, um, it's been like just you know just resting and trying to read a book or something. And yeah, yeah, bit of distraction. Yeah, so I just need to keep get my mind off things. I yeah. think it's that's a, the worst things than what goes through your head every day. Yeah, and I I hope that in a way maybe talking to me today has helped you as well. It has. It has tremendously helped because obviously it's nice to to get it out there. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah definitely. Oh, well, again, thank you so, so much, Lisa. You're welcome, um, Charlotte. It's been amazing you... to talk to you. Oh, great. I really do wish you all the best, and I truly hope you are feeling back to your usual healthy self very, yeah. very soon. Yeah, and I just want to go back to work and get on with back it. Some sort of normality. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you, Charlotte. I'll speak to you soon. Take okay. care and, and stay safe. And you. Take care. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay. So I don't know about you, but that certainly made me think about the importance of our current lockdown situation and just a reminder of the amount of people that we're protecting by doing it. I found Lisa's story actually quite harrowing and in the grand scheme of things, she is one of the lucky ones. So just a couple of things to take away from this. Firstly, Lisa admitted herself that she can be quite OCD with cleanliness and yet she still managed to contract the virus. So is this lockdown necessary? Absolutely. And secondly, does having diabetes mean it's a given that you won't recover if you get coronavirus. Absolutely not. Just as Lisa was saying, everyone is different and you just cannot predict how your body will respond to this virus. As always, your feedback is very welcome. So please do let me know what your thoughts are on today's episode. And if you want to hear more exclusive interviews and continue to learn more about living a healthy life with diabetes, please do make sure you hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Thank you so much again for listening and until next time, stay safe. This episode has ended, but your journey towards a healthy and happy life continues. Head on over to diabeticandhealthy.com and join the conversation with other diabetics and their families. All the information in this episode is not designed to replace the advice from the health professional team looking after you and your diabetes. Before making any significant lifestyle changes, do consult them with your doctor.